0: Listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside.
1: This episode of Rootbound is brought to you by the color changing flower that is all sepals, the hydrangea. Welcome to the hydrangea zone.
0: Hi, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rootbound, which is the podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. I'm the host of the podcast, and my name is Steve. Each week on Rootbound, I invite a guest who joins me on the show to share with us all about a plant that means something to them, and then I share with a guest about a plant that means something to me. And through this process, we can all learn more about plants and learn more about each other it is the philosophy of this podcast that everybody has at least one probably more but at least one plant that is meaningful to them because plants are so integral to our life as humans on this planet this is one of those special episodes though where we're only going to be talking about one plant you know every now and then there's a plant that is on my secret list of plants And uh, that means that the guest chose a plant that I also have some kind of connection to. And so uh, that's one of those special episodes today. This is also a special episode because we're welcoming back a guest who was on the show before, way back in episode 11. But before we do that, I haven't done any vocabulary for a while. And there's a couple terms that came up in this episode that I always have to remind myself what they mean and which one is which. And so I'm going to tell you now, and hopefully that will help you learn, and it also helped me remember. So here, those two words are anther and stigma, anther and stigma, they're both parts of a flower, they both have to do with uh, the reproductive um, parts of plants, and the anther is uh, the on the stamen, so and it's the male part of the plant, and the anther specifically is the pollen-producing part of a plant. And the stigma, which is on the pistil, that is the pollen receiving part of the plant. So anther has the pollen, stigma receives the pollen, and some uh, flowers have both on one flower, and some plants um, have male flowers and female flowers, and sometimes it's uh, specifically a male plant and a female plant. But you need an anther to create the pollen, a stigma to receive the pollen, and that's how uh, plant reproduction works. So those words, remember, anther and stigma, and I will never forget them now, because I've explained them to you here on the podcast, so thank you for that. And um, before we meet our guest, uh, because I I am a dad, I've come up with a stupid dad joke to uh, help me remember uh, at least one of those words, and then I'll remember the other one uh, by process of elimination, so... um, Let's hear that stupid dad joke now. Why did the male plant do so well on the pop quiz? Because it had all the answers. Hi, Aja. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Rootbound.
1: Hey, Steve. Thank you for having me.
0: It's been a while.
1: I know. It's been (laughs) probably over a year. A lot of things have changed in your
0: life. Indeed, indeed. Yes, as the audience knows, I've, I've, I just put down our little kid to sleep. And uh, now it's time to talk about a fun plant. Uh, Aja, would you like to share uh, what plant we're going to talk about today?
1: We're going to be talking about maypop, which is the North American passion flower, or passion fruit. So I'm really excited about this plant.
0: Awesome and, and normally right now I would play a weird little dinging sound on a little device I have because this is going to be one of the special episodes where we only talk about one plant. But my little device's batteries died, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna insert it digitally. You're not gonna hear this, Asha, but I'm gonna insert it digitally now. And uh, and let's 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 talk about the Maypop. It it's a super cool fruit fruit slash plant. It's a plant. It's a fruit. Uh, and it's one of those ones that I feel like amazingly most people don't know about.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it's very unfortunate that people don't know about it because it's such a delicious fruit and such an important medicinal plant. You just spoke about putting your baby down to sleep and passion flower and passion leaf. They're definitely good for sleep, insomnia. I'm not giving out medical advice. I'm just stating yes. what they are used for.
0: Absolutely. I that, you know, that's um that's one of the things I you know when when I first heard about this plant first i was like wait what there is a passion fruit that grows up where i live i live in in uh in northern virginia but apparently its range is even further north and it's something that you know i think most people just assume passion flowers like from the tropics and so that first blew me away and then i was like oh wait a minute there's this interesting angle with like uh um you know a sleep aid which is a very um i also am not giving medical advice but it's a very just common understood aspect of this plant i think there's even some scientific studies about it
1: Yeah. um, And also the fruit. The fruit is used for anxiety and depression. Ah. So like the whole plant. I don't know if the roots are used, so I can't say the whole plant, but the leaves, the flowers and the fruit. And yeah, it grows way up here in zone 5B in Indiana as well.
0: Wow. Wow. So interesting. Um, I happen to have, we're not on a video link today, but I have two little Maypops here. I have a, (laughs) my... My entire backyard is now essentially like a maypop plant. I planted some five years ago when we moved in this house and I just kind of let them go. And, and this year definitely, especially since we just had this kid, uh, I haven't been as able to uh, be on top of my uh, lawn care or my backyard care. So um, the whole like backyard is covered in, in maypop leaves. It's pretty cool. It's a very um, amazingly hardy and um, it's a plant that can really grow a lot in one season.
1: Yeah, boy, is it hardy. You have to keep it away from your neighbor's yard. I tell you that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I planted some here and well, we have some in Mississippi as well, but I planted a plant here and it has definitely jumped over to our neighbor's yard, but they don't mind. I did tell them, hey, my plant is jumping over there. And they say, that's fine. So we'll see how long they'll say (laughs) that's (laughs) fine. But yeah, it grows like crazy. And I did not know that it can even grow in partial shade because now it's jumped into partial shade and it's really thriving in that area. Yeah,
0: my whole backyard is very shady, and it's like a—it's almost like a ground cover in the backyard this year, which is uh, really uh, incredible. Wow. One, one other thing about its growth habit that I found really stunning is that it—it's a vine. If people don't know, it's a vine. It has these cool kind of trident-shaped leaves, um, but it is a. Um, what's the word for it it it's not it's not a it is perennial but it's not a woody vine the the vines die back completely every year and then each year it grows back even more faster uh, It like it's starting from zero at least from the ground level the roots are like what's going on but i i was just amazed at how how the you know it grows so fast and so far and then all those vines die and next year you have a whole new batch it's just incredible
1: Yeah, and I think you just reminded me, Steve, that I need to go (laughs) gather my leaves so I can dry them for the winter. Um, So I need to do that. We're getting our hard frost, and that is going to be a task that I need to do Um, and bring it in. Yeah, because the leaves die back, (laughs) and um, they will be growing like crazy again next year.
0: So let's talk about, you know, I I have... (sighs) I've been growing it now for five years, but my actual use is very limited. I have made tea a little bit. I haven't really, like, I think used it enough to, like, understand the effect. I've used the fruits a little bit, but let's start with the the tea and drying your leaves. First of all, how do you dry the leaves? What is your preparation, if you were, to make a tea from it?
1: Well, (laughs) Steve... I know my husband probably doesn't like this, but I'm very witchy. And so <laughs> I hang stuff around the house. Um, and so I, I prefer hanging them upside down in the kitchen. I think that is really, I mean, I don't, I don't, I like the aesthetics of it and all of that, but you can also put it in a dehydrator, but I prefer to just hang them upside down in the kitchen and let them dry. And I grab as neat.
0: Do you do individual leaves um, and like bundle them or like whole vines? And uh, how, how does it look?
1: I think if I did individual leaves, it would take me forever. <laughs> so I do a whole, because like you said, it's so hardy. Yeah. So we get a lot of it. Um, so I do individual, I mean, I do the vines. I don't do the individual leaves. Um, so I take, you know, those little bread um um, vine things, what do you call them? Those are bread little like wraps. twist ties or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the bread twist ties. And I use those to wrap them around if I don't have any twine. And I just hang them upside down on our shelves in our kitchen.
0: That's super cool. And then when you use them, you're just taking a dry leaf and, and you crumple it in the tea or is that how that works?
1: Yep. And during the summertime or spring, you know, when we have them fresh, I just take the leaves and I put them in a pot and I just make mm. tea like that. But during the fall and winter, yeah, that's what I do. I just grab, you know, a few or maybe one or two leaves and I just throw them in a pot with some water, let it simmer. And there's my tea.
0: That's very, very interesting. And, and so, yeah, you let it, you let it uh, just steep or do you, uh, are you actively simmering when you said simmer?
1: I let it simmer. I let it simmer and then I turn it off for a while. And I have a funny story, Steve. May I tell you a funny story? Yeah, please. Uh, please. So I did this. (laughs) I did this. I simmered it for a little while. I let it stay on the stove and I left the house, right? Uh And so I came back home and my husband is laid out on the couch. And I'm like, what is going on? (laughs) Are you okay? And he's like, honey, what was in that pot? And I'm like man, like, have you not read any fairy tales? This is how every fairy tale ends horribly. But he had drunk some of the passion um, tea that was on the stove and he was just laid out on the couch. So be oh, careful wow. with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Interesting. I, I think when I've done it, I've only steeped it. And I that's one thing I've, I've started to learn more. And maybe you have something to say about this, Aja. Like, the store-bought teas you get are always these steeping teas. But I feel like a lot of the wild teas... Require like a simmer. I don't know if you have that experience.
1: I feel like that too, and I don't know if they put additives in these teas that you buy in the store. I don't know what's going on, but I do. I do find that they, especially when you get them fresh, they do require a simmer. So just add a little bit of extra water because you're going to lose that. You know, it's going to evaporate. So yeah, I I do prefer simmering.
0: Okay, so while we're talking about the beverage side, we're uh, we're not on video here, but I'm going to make a little clinking sound effect here i'm gonna this is a little bit of the stunt part of this episode of the podcast so so like uh like over two years ago now i experimented with making some uh may pop country wine i i normally make mead because i'm a beekeeper but i didn't have any honey at that particular moment so this is with sugar i made this drink it fermented and i put it in the fridge and i forgot about it for like two years <laughs> and so i'm gonna taste it now it may be terrible um, I'm not going to taste enough that it might poison me, um, but that's what I'm going to do, uh, on the show here, Aja. if you'll bear with me. I'm going to pop the little top of the Swing Top bottle. There we go. Let's pour a little bit. It's, it's incredibly clear. Um, there's a lot of sediment at the bottom. Let's see how this tastes. I know that you, that you experiment with various, uh, um, fermented beverages sometimes. Have you ever done anything with May Pops?
1: Oh, my goodness. I have not done the May Pop, but I've done the Tropical Passion Fruit. So I've done oh. um, natural soda. I know I don't, I'm, I'm sorry, Chicago land. I said soda. I did natural pop, <laughs> I made natural pops with uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, tropical passion fruit. I know that has to be delicious, Steve. I'm kind of jealous sitting here listening to you sip on this wine.
0: <laughs> I, I have to say it's, it's not quite, vinegar <laughs> uh i think it's still wine um but it is quite tart um yeah it's, it's it's tangy i mean a lot of these like wild fermented drinks are very like tangy um but yeah it's i don't know i think most people if i serve this to most people they may not like it but i'm used to drinking weird stuff and i'm i'm surprisingly oh and it definitely has alcohol in it for sure that's uh i can tell
1: can you see yourself making a nice salad dressing with it since it's almost vinegar and totally oh totally vinegary? Okay,
0: uh, you know what? Now that I drink it more, it's definitely not vinegar. It is still wine. I'm I'm amazed. Okay. It's still wine. I've I've made accidentally made vinegar a few times before too, um, but yeah, that's good. Wow, good job, good job, May pops. So, do you
1: taste the tropical flavor in it? Tell us. We want to know mm, more. See,
0: I'm, I'm so bad about uh, about explaining flavors, but let me let me try. It definitely yeah, it definitely is fresh and fruity definitely fruitier than most of the when i make a mead even with fruit the honey is very dominant and in this it is more fruit forward there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of a smokiness you know the 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 maypop leaves kind of have this like weird smell that's almost like can almost smells like burnt rubber sometimes Is, is that
1: yes i was gonna say leather i leather,
0: was gonna say leather yeah, yeah. so it's got yeah. a little bit of that but not too much okay okay mm. yeah It's it's wow It's it's quite complex i i'm i'm surprised i would I, I would like see it in the back of the fridge every now and then and i was like you know what i'm gonna wait until i talk about the may pop on the show and it just kept not happening <laughs> it kept okay. getting longer and longer and i kept getting very worried that it was going to be something terrible but it's it's uh, pretty good
1: Oh, that's exciting! And for those who have not tasted it, um, in the Choctaw language, which which is the indigenous language of Mississippi and Louisiana, one of the indigenous languages of Mississippi and Louisiana, Maypop is called Tacon Holdba, which means like peach. So that kind of gives you ah. some kind of indication on what the flavor
0: is like. Totally, I, I that makes so much sense. Um, you know it it's an interesting thing because it doesn't look like a peach at all i mean it it is if people don't know what a passion fruit is like it is a passion fruit it's you crack it open and it's got this kind of slimy bundle of seeds um but the taste is quite like a like a very a very crisp peach interesting um yeah go ahead please
1: and i was gonna say yes so delicious and when I lived in Venezuela, I would try to get the passion fruit juice every single day the, from the people who sold it on the streets. And it got to a point where my friends down there started calling me Mrs. Parchita, which means, <laughs> I guess it means passion fruit juice down there. I don't know, but they be like Mrs. Parchita.
0: Interesting. That's fun. I, I I think I got, I still have quite a few fruits out there. I'm actually holding a couple of the fruits right now too. Um I should try to go maybe make some fresh juice. Can you talk about your process of how you use the fruits? I haven't really done that that much. This this time I just kind of like ran them through a little food mill thing to get this pulp out and then put it in the put it with water and 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 yeast and sugar, but I you know, yeah, how how do you use the fruits?
1: Well, Steve, I got to tell you, it's like I cannot name any fruits that I like better than passion fruit. Ah. So, since it is my favorite fruit, it hardly gets, <laughs> I, I hardly get a chance to do anything but eat it. Just crack it open and eat it. And even the seeds, I'll eat the seeds as well. But if I'm making something, I suppose I would just, like when I made the um, the fermented pot with the tropical passion fruit, I just scooped it out and I made it like what you just said with the sugar and then I let it ferment. But it is my favorite favorite fruit so it's very hard to get to that point without just wanting to gobble all of them up at
0: once you mentioned eating the seeds i have i've been starting to do that mine are quite crunchy is that the same with yours yes okay i feel like the tropical one maybe is not as crunchy the seeds or maybe they've been like bred for commercial use long enough that they maybe aren't quite as crunchy as seeds
1: you know, I don't know. Um, I I don't know. I, I've never even thought about that. Now, I will say, listen, I did say that it does grow here in Indiana, but we get the fruit down in Mississippi. I haven't gotten fruit here yet in uh, Indiana. Interesting, interesting. So I just get the leaves and the flowers. But on our land in Mississippi, we do get fruit.
0: Let's talk about those flowers because they are just incredible.
1: Yes. They're like unworldly. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what it is. They're just like some spaceship Star Trek beauty. Like they're so pretty. And ours are purple and white. I don't know. I guess you have the same ones as yeah. you have Maypop. Yeah. But I've seen them in all dip not just the Maypop, but Passion Flowers, period. I've seen them in red. I've seen them in blue. They're just so Gorgeous. Probably one of the most beautiful yet underrated flower that I can think of. Like, why aren't people decorating cakes and pies with these beautiful totally. flowers?
0: And also, I mean, very, very like unique as well. They have a very special look. Uh, you know, they, they, they don't, there's nothing, at least in this, maybe in the tropics, you have some more stuff like this. But in this, in this continent, I feel like there's no flower that looks like it. No. Yeah um i i can't really describe it very well it it does have it does have petals uh it then has these little like tendrils that go out in array ray around which are really amazing and then it has um this super ingenious if you want to say it that way uh method of uh of delivering the the pollen and receiving the pollen if you've ever looked at that close the the anther and the stigma are are orientated in this way where uh, basically i think they're designed for bumblebees to 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 pollinate them and you see bumble i see bumblebees on mine all the time and the bumblebee will kind of like scoop around um the flower but then the pollen part the 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 anther i think that's right basically is just the right gap to rub on the bees back and then the stigma, where the where the, the pollen is delivered, is is elevated. So when a bee comes in to fly and it lands, the the pollen comes off the back and hits the, the stigma. Um, it's really amazing. It's hard to describe. People, you should look at a uh, audience. You should look at a, at, a, at a picture of it. It's really really cool.
1: Yeah, it's really beautiful. And just to have them and see all of the bumblebees just gather around it. I don't think I've observed it as much as you or as closely as you, see, But just to see the bumblebees, they just absolutely love it. They love yeah. the flower.
0: Yeah, look really close. And when you see the bumblebee, you'll see that it's, it's kind of in this gap between there's one part of the plant dangling down. It's kind of brushing on the top of the bee. And it's like... It looks like it's designed to like deposit pollen on the back of the bee. Very cool. Um, let Let's talk about names. I love talking about names of things. Uh, passion flower, passion fruit is is one of those weird ones because it's a it's a plant that's native to uh, you know the the New World quote unquote, but it has this very like Christiany common name which came from you know uh, uh, settler colonialism you know passion fruit. Uh, passiflora It comes. It comes from the Passion of the Christ. Apparently, is what I've read.
1: Yeah, I think I prefer to call mine tacón hoba.
0: <laughs> I, I I can see that is yeah that that's a really good point. Uh, and like I like Maypop as well because it is more uh colloquial. But yeah, this 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 passion flower name, I don't really get it. Like if you go online, audience, you can read. I'll put some links in the show notes of how these Christian missionaries like put all the symbolism of Christianity onto this flower. It seems like they were forcing it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think they just saw a really pretty flower and wanted to like shoehorn it into their belief system maybe. Um, Cause it, anyway, I, I don't fully get it. But that's where the name passion comes from. Cause it is related. And, uh, or at least that's how the missionaries named it. And then the, 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 uh, scientific name of the maypop, the one we're talking about in this episode is Passiflora incarnata, which means in the flesh, but I don't really know w- why.
1: You know what? I, is it the three, is it the trinity or something like that? The way the leaves are formed on the plant.
0: Yeah, there is a trinity in 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 not the the flowers have a five, but the, they give some there is some numerology with a five, but then I think the anthers are three. Um, and then the little like spindly things kind of look like the the crown, like the rays of the crown, you know, or like you know the halo that kind of goes off in rays. And they there is a description on it online. I don't remember it by off the top of my head, but they had they you know they point out specific pieces and say this represents the cross and this represents the three and blah 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 all that stuff.
1: Okay, yeah, reaching. Um, and it I wonder if that also has something to do. With the fact that this is a medicinal plant, and maybe people were using it for rest and insomnia, and maybe they mixed it with other plants that helped them get—you know—maybe they used them for ceremony. I don't know. Yeah. And maybe the Christian missionaries came in and say, "Hey," said, "Hey, we need to rename this thing." That, I
0: don't know. That happened. That has happened a lot. I wouldn't be surprised. That is—it's a common thing. Um. Let's talk about the name Maypop. Do you, I have a few things that I read about why it's called Maypop, but what, what do you know? What is your understanding of why it is called Maypop?
1: Well, initially I thought it was because the plant popped in May, but it does not pop in May here. Um, It pops (laughs) in May. It'll pop in maybe even, mm, maybe April or sometimes March in Mississippi, but this year, Steve, this thing here did not pop until, I want to say, the end of July. So, oh, wow. yeah, you're going to have to tell me what you think about this May pop because I really thought it meant pops in May.
0: Well, it does pop in May where I am. It pops up and it does pop up these little, like, you know, these shoots just pop right out of the ground. Um, and that might make sense because um, Colonial's you know colon- colonist first interaction with a plant was kind of around where i am in the virginia area like the first accounts of it are with like um uh john smith and that whole situation so maybe the the you know this part of the seaboard maybe not as far south and as far north it pops in may um but that's weird i mean it's, it doesn't really pop and there's a lot of stuff that pops up that we don't call pop so um the other thing i've read is that uh it, it, it may pop when you step on it, which is very true. <laughs> if you step on the fruit, they, they totally will pop and if you're not you know if you're walking through them and it's sometimes hard to see them, you'll you'll step and hear pop. But that's also seems kind of weird like why don't you just call them pops why not why may pops like um, is it really because they may pop and they may not? It seems like a stretch. So I think what is the real reason they're called may pop is that the Algonquin word, For them is apparently Maracoke. And I think that word Maracoke somehow got mutated into English to Maypop. That's my best guess. I've read a few places there, and that makes more sense than either of these Maypopping uh, um, words. Wait
1: a minute, Steve. Now you listen, Steve, I go down rabbit holes, (laughs) especially when it comes to language. Yeah. Because as soon as you said that, I thought about a place in, because I used to live in Venezuela, a place that was named after the fruit, but it, and the name kind of sounded like what you just said, like maracuya, maracuya, maybe that's it.
0: And so that's super fascinating because they have, there seems to be some kind of etymological link connecting, you know, quite a distance, um, between the the continents there. But yeah, right. Maracuya is passion. Fr- is that right, audience? If I'm, I'm going to Google that because I'm not 100% sure. Um, maracuya. Yeah, get
1: out of here, Steve. Wait a minute. Yeah, ma- Mar- maracuya,
0: oh. maracuya is the, um, uh, in Brazil, that's what passion fruit is called, a Passiflora edulis. And so that's really interesting that the Algonquin word in this part of the world is very similar. And so there must, you know, that I'm always fascinated in like the, the cultural exchange, the pre-Columbian cultural exchange that, you know, um, because of the the history of this of this country, there's not a lot of information about, and I'm always so fascinated about it, and that seems like a very clear link that the, this plant had a similar etymological connection between Brazil and, you know, Virginia.
1: That's exciting because all right, it's it almost it also makes me think of the Tuscarora War. Because from my understanding, indigenous people, Tuscarora indigenous people, some of them were sent to South America. So I'm wondering, Mm. uh, what is this connection? Oh, my goodness, Steve. Now I'm going to be up all night long researching. If
0: you find something, (laughs) let me know, because that that is an interesting rabbit hole to go down, which I, you know, the surface level of its names never even brought that up. And I don't even know why I didn't make that connection between Maracuya and Maracoc before. But that's really interesting. Wow. Okay, I have one last thing in my notes, and then we can talk about any other things. The one thing that keeps popping up, and this is like what happens with the internet today. You read something, and then you read it, you read the same thing on a bunch of different sites, and everyone's quoting each other, and it's really hard to find where the original information came from. But I'm wondering, because of your you know, knack for going down rabbit holes and your your, uh, uh, intense plant knowledge, you might have some uh, information about this, but maybe not. It's okay if you don't. Several places, when they're talking about how it's used, you know, they talk about the fruit, they talk about the leaves for, for tea, but many places, and they all seem to be quoting each other, mentioned that uh, indigenous people in the Americas would sometimes cook the leaves with fat. And I can all, see that. And I, I, I want to try it, but I can't find anything else but beyond just, like, that sentence, like, cook with fat. But, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's all I know.
1: I can actually see that um, in various ways. And again, I'm not giving medical advice, but we're talking about a plant that is used for anxiety, that's used for stress, that's used for relaxation. So one thing that I can think of cooking with fat, which could be like a bear grease or some kind of lard, it can be used for probably muscle aches. I don't know, I'm not giving out medical advice Mm. and I haven't researched this, but that's the first thing that came to my head and also, it could be a way to administer the medicine um, with the fat instead of with tea. You know, there are various ways to administer medicine. That's so depending a- on, yeah, depending on the condition of the person, maybe that was one of the ways that medicine was um, administered.
0: That's really interesting because I, when I read that sentence, my first thought was thinking about how, he, how you treat um, uh, pokeweed. And when you, when you cook it, you know, you cook it and you, like, cook it with the baking fat and maybe with some eggs and thinking of it as, like, a, using it in kind of a savory dish. But you're right. I think the way that it's written online is not very clear. And, and uh, fat has a different capability of extracting various compounds from things different from water or, you know, so maybe that is it, or maybe it's a combo of a a meal and also a different way of of getting the benefits of the leaf. Super interesting.
1: Yeah, that is interesting. I can definitely see it being used for inflammation um, topically. So, Mm. yes, it it could have probably been used for that.
0: Super fascinating. Um, Well, uh, Aja, do you have any other fun facts, dazzling details, personal stories about the Maypop?
1: No, I just want some right now. That's (laughs) all. (laughs) I wish I could
0: pass you one of these through the computer because I've got two right in front of me.
1: I wish you could too. And for the listening audience, you probably have tasted synthetic May, synthetic passion fruit, um, like through Hawaiian punch. But please, please, please go out and taste the real thing. It is so good. The seeds might get on your nerves, but eat the seeds. Like who cares? It is such a delicious fruit.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, ya flower of my heart walk do i wadi you do what he you want do body want he want flower of my dream what do i want you do what you
0: want me to do what do wadi want I hear your name, my heart's a flame, And you're to blame,
1: passion flower, can't you see? What do I mean? What do What do I mean? flower of my heart.
0: What a wonderful conversation with Aja about the passion flower. And uh, like Aja, I could not help myself with going down the rabbit hole about why the word may pop. Uh, which is related to the Algonquin word Maracoc is so similar to the word that's used in many South American countries, marakuya. Um That's a really interesting potential etymological link between two places that are so far apart. And so I went down the rabbit hole. I think I found an acceptable answer, and so I'm going to explain that now. It was a little bit of a circuitous path. So there's this guy whose name was Décondole, a French guy, and he wrote a big book called The Origin of Cultivated Plants. He wrote all he could figure out about all the plants we cultivate for food. However, he didn't write about the passion flower. So, a number of years later, these two other guys, Asa Gray, who is a well-known American botanist, and a guy named Hammond Trumbull, who is a well-known historian and linguist, they collaborated and wrote a review of De Candolle's Origin of Cultivated Plants where they corrected some things they think he got wrong and filled in the blanks on the plants that he didn't talk about, including passion flower. And in their discussion, of passion flower, they uh, they claim that the original word was mburacuya. I may not be pronouncing that right, but it is from a Tupi language, which is was an indigenous people from Brazil. And apparently, in that language, the Tupi language, it means fruit of the vine. So they they have they're understanding that the original word is related to that language because it's very descriptive. However, there is a similar word that is in the uh, Kalinago language or also known as the Carib people of the Lesser Antilles, which is Meraku- Merakoya, which is Merakoya. So there was Mburacuya from the Tupi, but also related was this word Merakoya from the uh, Kalinago people, and they were well-known to be seafaring people they lived in this island chain uh the caribbean was named after them because they sailed all around there so the assumption is is that the name maracuya got up to the algonquin people of the uh eastern continent that is now called the united states through the Kalinago. so that's super fascinating. I, 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 think languages are so cool, and what we call things are so cool because they can reveal these interesting stories that that may have been lost to history. But just the fact that those two words are related tells a story of how peoples interacted in a, in a time before uh, European um, colonialism, which is, I think, super super interesting. And 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 that's what plants and language can do. And I think that's super super awesome. So I just wanted to share that with you. And with that, let's end the show. Thanks for listening. My guest on this episode of Rootbound was Aja Yassir. Aja is a holistic farmer in both Indiana and Mississippi. She uses intense biodiversity, regenerative soil practices, and ancient methods to grow soil and rebuild habitat. She has a new book coming out called Medicine Keepers Herbs, Healing, and Pigtails. And you can learn more about Aja at her website, ajayassir.com. There will be a link in the show notes. If you like Rootbound and you want to help support the show, visit slash support to find all the ways you can help support the show, including supporting on Patreon. Rootbound is hosted by passionate podcaster Steve Ellington. Music by Christian Kriegiskota, fake ads by David Lonnie. Rootbound is a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside, but if you can go outside, try to avoid stepping on the Maypops.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Hydrangea Zone. Zone, zone, zone. It's something like that. I don't know.